0: Well, good morning. It's good seeing you all here. I, I got to be honest with you, this is a bigger crowd than I expected on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, me of little faith, right? I mean, I just... I guess it was maybe the rain that kept you all here instead of going camping and everywhere. People are traveling. People are out and about. Hey, and let's not forget the point of this, uh, this holiday, the reason you get tomorrow off, many of you, from work, um, it, it is be, to remember those who have given up their lives and sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice anyone could ever do. Jesus said it himself, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. And so we just kind of take a moment and just acknowledge all the men and women who have, over the years, uh, you know, 200-some years of our nation's history, given up their lives for a cause and a nation that they believe in. So to those of you who have lost loved ones, we thank you as well. Um, and then I just want to, you know, just on a side note here, we had a couple families in the church who just wanted us, it brought it to our attention that, uh, you know, this is an important time in the Illinois legislature and, and there's a lot going on and stuff. And you guys know in the New Testament, um, we're taught to pray for the governing authorities and ask God to give them godly wisdom. And, and, and so this morning, you know, I just want to take a quick moment. I just want to pray um, for a lot of the decisions that are being made here and uh, just ask that God would guide, God, that God would guide the people uh, to make good decisions. So let's just take a moment. Let's just bow our heads. Let's do that. Father, thank you so much. You have raised up men and women uh, from across our state to uh, represent us and um, in, in a in a governing body. So, Father, we pray that you would give them wisdom for how to act on some of these very important matters that are before us. And Lord, we also ask that you just um, in a in a nation that is very divided right now, Lord, that you would bring unity um, and that this weekend would be a a weekend where we celebrate what we have in common and and what we um, are all about as a nation. So in Jesus' name we ask this, amen. Amen. All right. Well, good morning again. My name's Andy. I'm the Connections pastor here. Our, our lead pastors, Dave and Casey, are actually away uh, at a soccer tournament, probably getting rained out, to be honest with you, uh, somewhere up north, I think. Um, but they're, they're away for the weekend. I know a lot of other families are out camping and doing various tournaments and various kinds of travel. So I hope that all of them have a good time, have fun, that they're safe and everything. But, I, you know, those of us who are here, uh, we know that this is the place to be on Memorial Day weekend, don't we? Here at Connect Church. This is, this is a good place to be, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, as Justin already said, God's doing some good stuff here. Um, it was a good time in worship. And, and uh, now I just want to kind of bring to you guys a message that I think, I think it'll be a little bit of a challenge to us as a reminder of some things that we probably already know. Um, a few months ago, my son, who is 16... He and I were talking in a conversation, and, and uh, Nolan was just saying, he said, he said Dad, you remember that time, and he was reflecting back on a season in his life when he was probably eight or nine years old, and he had first become introduced to this series of video games uh, called The Legend of Zelda. Any Zelda fans out there today? Uh, okay, usually they're very passionate, so very, maybe we have zero, because I would have expected hoots and hollers for that game. Um, where's Todd Irons? Is he here? Um, <laughs> you're a Zelda fan, aren't you? Okay, maybe, Uh, so it's a great game from what I understand. and my son got into this game, the series of games, when he was about eight or nine years old, and he fell in love with this game. And, and so every once in a while, Nolan would come running into the room, eight or nine years old, and, and you know how it is as parents, when they, you know, he, he'd go on for three, four, five minutes telling me about this amazing thing that just happened in the game, and he's so detail-oriented, you know, he would really tell me, you know, what the guy looked like and what he was wearing and all this stuff as he was beating him with a sword or whatever. And, and you know how it is, as parents... Some days we do really well and we stop and we give our undivided attention and we look them in the eye and we smile and we nod and maybe we ask a question to to express our interest. And other times we don't do as well, do we? How many of you are not perfect parents and you've done the other as well? Okay, where you're like nodding and hoping they're done. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, there have been times where, and it wasn't because they, they weren't interesting, it was because maybe I was just so distracted. I had my mind on something else or whatever it was. And, um, but my son, to his credit, was remembering the season in his life and he said, Dad, it meant so much to me. You know, when I was a little kid and, and I'd come into the room and I'd talk to you about this thing and, um, and I realize now that you didn't really even care about the game. You were just being nice. <laughs> and the reality of the matter is, um, Nolan is kind of on to something. There's a little bit of truth in what he said. The, the, the reality is, I know nothing of the game. I'm, a few of my friends played it growing up. Um, in fact, when Nolan started playing it, I got reamed out because I thought Zelda was the male character that you run around with and swing the sword, but that's actually a Link, and Zelda is the girl princess that you're trying to save, and I didn't know that. And so, true Zelda fans will correct you on that right away, I promise you. Um, and so, and so, uh, I didn't know the game, I didn't have a ton of interest in it, and so when Nolan was telling me about it, it's, it's true, if anyone else had been talking to me about Zelda, I probably would have tuned them out altogether, but here's what I realized, In my role as his father and the the desire I have to connect with my son in a very deep way, I realized that this was an opportunity for me to connect with him in a way that meant something to him. And so thank goodness he remembers the times where I connected with him in this way that was so important to him. In the past, uh, starting last week and over the next few weeks, we're talking about this series called Love Does, and the idea, of course, being that love is action, and there are actions that come along with, a, with love in a relationship. And so last week, Dave was talking about, um, <coughs> about love uh, speaks, and the, the words that we put, that we express, that we act on, and, and today I want to talk about love connecting, and here's something that you need to know, and I think everyone here in this room knows this about what love is and what it isn't. But let me just express this as a reminder to you. Love is not a passive emotion, but rather it is an active response. Let me say that, say that again, okay? It's on the screen so you can kind of really get this. <coughs> Excuse me. Love is not a passive emotion, but rather an active response. And, uh, and, and, so, and so today what we're going to do is I just want to talk to you about one of the actions that, uh, that love takes on when you're in a loving relationship, and that is the, the ability to connect with people. All right, so to do this today, I wanna to look at the life of Jesus. What a better place to look than to look at Jesus and, um, and look at the example he set in this way. Now, let me say something very quickly. And this is a little bit of a sidebar, but this is really this is something that I'm very passionate about. Um, when you hear us occasionally talk about Jesus as an example, I know many of you in this room understand this because you've been, uh, you've been in a relationship with him for a lot of years, um, and you understand this, but some of you may be newer to faith, newer to church. And I just feel like this is an important thing for us to mention. When we talk about Jesus as an example, I don't want to, you to think that the only reason Jesus came was to show us how to live, okay? Jesus' sole purpose for coming to this earth wasn't to teach you how to live a better life, Okay? His purpose was so much bigger, so much bigger than that. He came to save you. Peter put it like this from the empty life we inherited from our ancestors. That's what he wrote to the church in one of his epistles. And so when we talk about Jesus as an example, yes, absolutely, he lived a certain way, and we look at his example, we want to follow in his footsteps. But don't, don't limit Jesus down to just being a model, a role model of sorts. He was so much more than that as our Savior. All right, so today there are three actions, uh, or three ways that Jesus connected with people that I really want to focus on here this morning. The first of which is that Jesus related to people by, he connected to people by seeing them okay? Jesus connected to people by seeing them. Now, this may sound very insignificant. This may sound trite. This may sound small, but I'm telling you, it is not. This is the beginning of relationship, is seeing people, all right? And I want to start by by looking at Jesus' actions with Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Some of you know the story. In, In Luke chapter 19, Jesus, by this point, was this public figure. He had a following. He had a lot of people who knew who he was. Jesus was a bit of a celebrity in his day. He had done all these really cool miracles. He had raised uh, a couple dead people by this point back to life. uh, How crazy is that? You know, who wouldn't show up if that guy comes to your town and see what he's going to do next? He had healed sick people. He'd done some miracles, and the rumors were getting out there, and people were talking about him. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, goes into a new town that he hadn't been in before, the city of Jericho. And Jericho was a very populated city, a few miles from, from Nazareth, and or from uh, Jerusalem, where he, a lot of his ministry had happened. And, and so Jesus is going into this town, and um, as you can imagine, a crowd gathers to see what he's going to do. And so this huge crowd is gathering, and they're just kind of walking along the street with him, and I don't know, the Bible, Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus is doing, he's just passing through, he's probably going to do some teaching, or he's probably going to heal some sick people or something, but as he's just traveling, as he's just making his way into town, he's coming from one end, to, end, end of town to the other, and as he's passing through, uh, there's this man named Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Does anyone know the reference? Ah, we got some Sunday school people here. All right. Uh, Zacchaeus, so he's a little guy. And not only was he a little guy, uh, he was a uh, tax collector. And you need to understand this about tax collectors. They were the bad guys in the society. And here's, why, here's what I mean by that. The Jews were governed by the Romans. And so the Jews really disliked the Romans because they were the imperialists and, and they, were, they were imposing their laws on, on them in their own land. But even worse than the the Romans in their eyes were their Jewish brothers and sisters who betrayed them by collecting taxes for the Romans. And so this was who Zacchaeus was. He was a tax collector, and he had become very wealthy from this act. And and so not only had he collected taxes from his brothers and sisters, but this is how they made their living. If if your tax bill was $10, uh, and I'm a tax collector, I might collect $12 or $13 and then keep the $3 for me. And so you can see how this could be considered to be really uh, just a, a low person on the totem pole. We do not like these tax collectors. And this is who Zacchaeus was. So he's a short little guy, he's a tax collector. And here's what happens Jesus comes into town on this day, and this huge crowd gathers. And all these people are trying to get a look at him. And Zacchaeus, being a little guy, and maybe he got there a little bit late, he is walking along trying to see. He can't see through the crowd, he wants to see what's happening. So what does he do? What would you do in that case? Well, he's a forward-thinking man. I like this. He runs up ahead, and he finds a tree that he can climb and get a higher vantage point. And so as Jesus passes by, this is so cool. This is what happens. Jesus gets to the point in the road where Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And I love how Luke puts this. He looked up at Zacchaeus, so he sees him, and he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down I, I must be a guest in your house today. Now, where I come from, it's considered rude to invite yourself over to somebody's house. You just don't say, hey, buddy, I'm going to come over today. And, you know, I mean, I, you, know, you just didn't do that. My parents uh, were, were very clear on that. Don't ever do that. If somebody wants to invite you over, that's great. But don't invite yourself over. And I don't think Jesus was being rude or crossing any kind of a line. In fact, this was an honor, What Jesus was doing was he was honoring this guy who was way down here on the totem pole of the social status. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He's connecting with him in this way. And then he invites himself. He says, I want to come to your house. Uh, They have a meal together. Now, in the culture of Jesus' day, you have to know that this was an invitation into relationship. For you and I to share a meal together in the day of Jesus, would have been for you and I to say, hey, we're really, really, really good friends. For you to come into my home is an intimate expression. Like, we're more than just, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? Friends on the street. We're like next level friends. And Jesus is inviting Zacchaeus into his home, or vice versa. He's, he's inviting himself into Zacchaeus's home to, in, to initiate a special relationship with this man. Now, one of the primary things I think that hinders us from making connections is very simply that we do not see people. We do not see people and a lot of times, it's because we are allowing ourselves to be distracted. We've got our heads down in a device, earbuds in, and we are walking around like zombies being told what to think by Netflix or, or by you know, Snapchat or by Facebook or whoever it is. And we are zoned out and we are missing opportunities to connect with the people who are all around us. And sometimes, you know, we we, we just have to break free from that. We have to find a different way. To to uh, move around. So what if Jesus had been distracted? What if he had been distracted? He, well, he would have very easy, He would have very realistically missed the opportunity to connect with Zacchaeus and invite him into relationship. And what I believe ultimately happened from this meeting is that this it, this brought a whole new uh, course to to Zacchaeus's life. I believe this changed his destiny. I believe he he became a different man from that point forward. And um, and if Jesus had been distracted, he would have missed that, relation, that, that opportunity to connect with him. Distractions are ruining relationships. I have a, J- Jess and I, uh, a while back, were out to eat with two groups of friends. So there was three couples. And, um, and, we were, and there was this one guy there, one of the husbands, who was a very, very good friend of mine. Somebody I really respect I really look up to. I just think the world of this guy. And we were out to eat. And um, while all of us were ordering, he just kind of dismissed himself and took a call, and and then the whole time we were eating, he was just doing this, you know, texting, or he was totally not present the whole time. Now I totally get it. Like if 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 I had been in that situation, you know, I've been the, that way at times, and I'm sorry to say I've been a little bit rude and distant when I'm with people. I have, but I would like to think that that in that situation, if it's like some kind of important business thing, and he's like, hey guys, I'm really sorry. This thing kind of just went down at work. I've got to handle it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to try to be back as quickly as I can. I totally get that. That's, that's cool. You know, with me, I totally understand that. But for you to not even explain it and then just spend the whole time, you know, it's like I left that, that meal that night feeling like this person didn't value my, my friendship as much as I valued his. And it kind of brought a little distance between us. Now, there are times where we have to put our head down and work, right? There are times when we might have to withdraw. Um, if you're an introvert pers- introverted person like myself, um, I-, I, can- I love being around people, but I have to recharge when, I- when I've been around a lot of people for a while. So it's like almost a two-to-one ratio. I don't know. My wife would probably know better than I do. But, like, if I'm with people for three hours, I almost got to be, you know, in is- not isolation, but kind of withdrawn a little bit for six hours. That's just me. It's my recharge time. And, um, and so there are times where we, and even Jesus set this example. You look through the gospels and Jesus withdrew and, and, and rested. There are times where Jesus withdrew just to get stuff done. But whenever Jesus was with people, he did not miss his opportunity to connect with them. His head was up and he was looking for the people to connect with. The second way Jesus connected to people was by relating to them where they were. He related to them where they were. At in, in, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was, um, uh, many of us know, he called, hand chose, 12 men to follow him and be his disciples. Now, <clears throat> there were large crowds that followed him, but of the large crowd, 12 of them were hand picked by him, said, come follow me, be, you know, learn from me, uh, you know, be a part of what I'm gonna do. And then th- those 12 men went out and changed the world after his resurrection. But early on, when Jesus was calling them, there's this story in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, where Jesus is, um, he, he says to them, he says, uh, you know, one day he was walking along, the, sea, uh, along the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw these two brothers. He sees Simon, who became Peter later and then his brother Andrew. And he says to him, and now now you have to understand this, they are out there fishing. They look like fishermen. They're acting like fishermen. They probably smell like fishermen. And Jesus uh, understands who they are. And Jesus, as you know, came from a carpenter's home. So his background was not in fishing. In fact, he was probably not somebody who really had a lot of experience with that. You know, they were in a, a a society where that was a pretty common thing but Jesus wasn't himself a fisherman but what does he do he speaks to them and connects with them in a in in terms that are familiar to them he says to them he says come and follow me and i will show you how to fish for people now I'm convinced that if Jesus had used the carpenter's analogy, it would not have meant as much. Come and follow me, and I will teach you how to swing a hammer at people, or whatever I don't know, or you know, drive them. I don't know what that would have been, um, the the carpenter equivalent. He just he didn't he he related to them in terms of what they were familiar with. Now. I'm a big believer that when, I, when we talk to people who are different from us, we need to find connecting points. We need to find uh, ways to connect with them and be proactive in that, and, um, but, but we all know that that can be taken too far. We all know the guy who isn't a certain thing, but then when he's with that certain group of people, he tries a little too hard, and it comes across maybe a little bit like this. So, I are here, son, and your mother's gone this weekend. So, in other words, I got 99 problems and your mama ain't one. <laughs> Over. Looking <laughs> gonna celebrate a little bit. You know, <laughs> Bad and bougie. I'm dad, <laughs> I'm I'm fleek. <laughs> Get ready. I'm about to do the most. Hey, Woo! Get the ibuprofen ready. My knees don't need it. Cause am finna gonna slay this. <laughs> <laughs> Drop. Reverse. <laughs> This is a real of man right here, double time. <laughs> we eating fam. <laughs> sexy watch, sexy watch, sexy dad, sexy dad. Ooh, there goes the <laughs> <family>. <laughs> But that remix though. <laughs> Be careful bringing around your little girlfriends. They might leave Junior and come for senior. <laughs> <laughs> Geet. <laughs> right. So you know the most embarrassing part, I didn't even realize my kids were filming me when I was doing all that. That is me, though, right, guys? I mean, that's 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 the kind of dad I am. Um, so you guys, you understand, you get the idea, right? You can take it too far. You can be funny. You can be fake, and you come across as a joke. And so the 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 whole idea is to find that fine line. When when I'm trying to connect with people, when I'm trying to connect with you know my teenagers who are 17, 16, and 14, and almost 13, uh, I. Uh, you know, I have to figure out ways that I can connect with them in way, but without being that dad, which is really hard for me, actually. Um, so, a little advice when, when you 're connecting with people who are different from you, just whatever be authentic right be authentic, but but be intentional about trying to find a way to connect that 's really, really important. all right thirdly, the third way Jesus connected to the people um, was by being the pursuer of the relationship. He was the one who pursued the relationship and the the example here. Um, is from John chapter 4. And go ahead and put that on the screen. You can just kind of scroll through that while I'm telling the story here. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus is in, uh, he, he's passing through Samaria. What you need to understand about Samaria is this. Samaria was a region near, um, near Israel, near Judea, where uh, people who were not pure Jews lived Okay, And you have to understand this. There was a real racism thing about people who were not pure Jews. So pure Jews lived in Judea and and that that area. And then Samaria was an area filled with people who were partially Jewish. And there was a racism between the two sides. And so a lot of times what would happen is when Jewish people had to get to a certain area and they had to go you know, essentially through Samaria. They would actually bypass it altogether rather than have to go through there. That's how strong their feelings were. And Jesus has to get somewhere, and so he passes through Samaria rather than going around it. And he gets to this village called Sychar, and it's the middle of the day, and it's hot outside. And, the, you know, you know his, his schedule, he'd probably been speaking, and he'd had a lot on him, and so he needed some time to withdraw. And so the disciples lead him to this well, which would have been on the edge of town, And Jesus, you know, is left there, and they say, listen, Jesus, you go ahead and sit here, rest, recuperate. We're going to go into town, get you some food. We're going to come back, and we're going to take care of you. So Jesus takes him up on the offer. He's like, yeah, great. Thanks, guys. He sits down. He's hanging out at the well, and uh, within a little bit of time, a woman comes up, and she's got her big pot. Now, this is unusual because most of the women who would have drawn the water for the family for that day would have come earlier in the day before the heat before the hottest part of the day. But here it is, the hot part of the day, and she's coming now. And there's significance to that. And so Jesus has this moment. There's this woman right there in his presence, and he has this opportunity. Do I engage or do I stay disengaged? and nobody would have ever thought anything of him if he had disengaged from this altogether. Nobody would have, because that was what was expected. There are a few reasons why this would have been weird for him to engage. Number one, she was a woman, and in that culture, a man wouldn't interact with a woman who wasn't his wife uh, without that woman's husband present or some kind of a relational uh, connection there. Uh, Secondly, she was Samaritan, and he was Jewish, so there was that... There was that racism uh, that was kind of between those two groups of people. And then thirdly, um, as we come to find out, this woman was a little bit of a social pariah in her own uh, group of people because she had a bad reputation. The reason she's coming in the middle of the day like she is is because she is the source of gossip in the town. This woman has uh, had numerous husbands and is now living with a man that she's not married to, as we find out later in the story. And in this culture, this would have been a totally taboo thing. Like, like this just was almost unheard of. And so this would have been, made her the source of gossip. And this would have made her the source of ridicule. And whenever she comes around, the other women are like, you know, like uh, kind of eyeballing her and walking away from her on the other side of the street kind of thing. And so this is why this woman is coming in the middle of the day, to avoid the drama, to avoid the woman drama that sometimes we all know happens. Right, Ruby? You've told me about that. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, and so, uh, and so Jesus um, is sitting with this woman, and it's just the two of them, and it would have been totally expected for him to just stay disengaged. But what does he do? Jesus engages. He speaks to her, and he begins to pursue a relationship with her. You see, what happens as a result of this, this interaction is this woman, her father, Faith is sparked, and as we see later on in the story, she runs into town and says, hey, I think I just met the Messiah. In other words, I think I just met the guy who we've all been waiting for, who's coming to save us, who's coming to deliver us. I think I just met him at this well. So what this interaction does is it sparks faith in her. Why? Because Jesus pursued her. He took the steps toward her. When she, Luke even says, or John even says in John chapter four, that when he first spoke, she was surprised. She was surprised. She did not expect that. And so he engages and he pursues her in relationship. Now let me summarize everything here by just, if if I had to summarize Jesus's uh, approach to relationships, uh, I, I would use this one word, intentional. Jesus was very intentional about Uh, uh, about connecting with people. He was very intentional in every social interaction he had, and his motivation was always love. So I want to just take a moment here, and I just want to challenge us on a practical level. What does this look like in our world? What does this look like today in your life and mine? I want to encourage you to be intentional about seeing people, okay? Again, this might sound Trivial, this might sound like, oh yeah, I get it, I see people all around me, but I'm talking about like seeing them, right? Like really seeing people and connecting with them uh, through even that initial visual, uh, you know, connection. Uh, and this may be hard for some of us because some of you, your gear is fifth gear all the time. You're just a fast mover. Some of you are very introverted and you, don't, you just try to avoid people altogether. Uh, some of you are uh, a little bit task-oriented, so you're always thinking about what needs to be done and you're struggling to connect with people because you're so focused on, ta- on tasks. One of these leadership gurus that I, I read sometimes, uh, an old pastor from San Diego area, uh, his name's John Maxwell, John Maxwell wrote a book years ago, he's written tons of books that are so good, um, just about this kind of subject or whatever, but one of the things he said I, at a conference I, I was at, it was a smaller, intimate crowd in a church in St. Louis, and he said, he, I remember he said this, he said, walk slowly among the crowd, and he's speaking to leaders. And he's speaking to high capacity executives and CEOs and, and some pastors of some large churches. And then there was me. And, and he and he goes like this. He goes. Uh, he he says. And I remember he put his hands out and he walked up and down the aisle like in a church setting, just like this. And he was looking at people in the eyes. And he put his hands out like as a as a you know visual to take your time, slow down, you know. And, and but but that's always stuck with me all these years later. T- slow down and see people. Walk slowly through the crowd. So don't rush through tasks, don't rush through duties. Take time to connect with people along the way. Now, let me say this. There are people in your life who you must connect with. And when I say must, it's not like a like you you know like a heavy kind of thing. It's like, man, I have I have some it's incumbent upon me as a father to connect with my kids. It's incumbent upon me as a husband to connect with my wife. But then there, are also, and then there are also people like who I connect with because maybe they're in my, group, my small group or, or maybe they're on one of the teams that I'm, I lead or, and, or maybe they are just become a good friend through something or whatever. And so I have connections there. But then there are these other people who I may not have a direct connection with, but when my head is up and I'm open to it, there are times where I'm walking around and I see somebody and I feel like for some reason I need to connect with that person. And it's cool the things that God has done in my life and in, the, in other people's lives through just being available in that way. So there are people that I must, that I have to be, like, very intentional about, and then there are other people I just have to be open to. Like, God, you know, maybe in, in my head I'm praying, God, if there's anyone I should connect with today, just let us Find each other, you know, that kind of thing. And you can't do that with your head down looking at a phone. Uh, and be intentional about relating to people where they are. Be authentic. Don't be the joke guy. Don't be the, the ridiculous version of somebody trying to be cooler than he is or whatever. Um, find some way to connect with people in a way that actually means something to them. Uh, you know, like, like, you know, there are ways that I think might connect with my wife, but then... There are other ways that, that uh, you know, that she prefers. You know, the love languages kind of idea, right? Um, maybe acts of service instead of whatever I thought. All right, so, <laughs> so find some way to connect with people. Um, and let me give you some practical advice here. Be a good question asker. Now, this is really practical, okay? Be, learn to be a good asker of questions when it comes to relationships. Now, let me tell you the, the power of asking a good question. When you can get somebody in your life talking about what, what they are passionate about, there's something about that, that that they, they feel good in that moment. And if they go on for a few minutes, you, first of all, you've got to make sure you give it time. You know, don't ask them the question and then say, oh, sorry, I got to go. You know, as soon as they start talking, give it some time. But... Like, when you get people talking about what they're passionate about, if it, it feels good to that person. And when you're the one who drew that out, there's something about, like, that spark, that connection that starts to happen. Be a good question asker and connect with people through asking questions uh, that get them talking about what they're passionate about. And then, and then thirdly, um, I want you to encourage you to be intentional about being the pursuer of, a rela- of the relationships. Um, husbands, don't wait for your wife to say, hey, I think we need a date night, like I did two nights ago when my wife came home, and I hadn't planned. Here I was, like, I had literally planned my message out, and this was one of my points, and my wife comes home Thursday or Friday night and says, hey, I think we need a date night. And I was like, darn it, I wanted to say that, but she got to it first, um, but she was right. We, you know, be intentional about pursuing. Be the pursuer. Moms, dads, grandparents, Don't wait for your kids to come home and say, hey, will you play with me? Surprise them sometime when they get off the bus. Have a fort set up in the living room. Have sleeping bags out. Have a movie under there and flashlights. And just, you know, pursue them in a way that connects with them on the level where they're at. So know what relationships matter and then be intentional about being the one who pursues. So this is intentional. This is proactive. This is not reactive. You're not waiting for somebody to pursue you. You're pursuing them, all right? And and, and then um, just remember this, that, again, love is not a passive emotion. It is an active response to the people that God has put in your lives. Can I pray for you guys today? Father, thank you so much for some amazing, amazing people, some, some people who... Uh, Uh, you've given such gifts and such skills and such personalities, and Lord, there are some amazing people who have uh, just good things going for them in their lives, and Lord, one of the best things we have is the people you've put in our lives. Lord, let this be a reminder to us today of how important the relationships around us are. Lord, I pray that you, you... you draw closer fathers and sons and, and fathers and daughters and mothers and sons and mothers and daughters and husbands and wives and, and, and family relationships and friendships. God, just draw people closer as we can learn to follow your example and be intentional about pursuing relationships, uh, meeting people where they're at and seeing them for who they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a good week. We'll see you all next, next Sunday.